prophecy. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, and hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him? With scoffing and riddles for him, and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own, for how long? And loads himself with pleasures. Will not your debtors suddenly arise, and those who awake, he will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and whore, and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork responds. Woe to him who builds a town of blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire, and nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at the nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself. And show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrify them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, and metal image, the teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him, he says to a wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. This is the word of the Lord. Hi everyone, my name's Mike. It's good to have you join us on Zoom as well as in person. Let me add my welcome, especially if you're visiting us for the first time. Um, I hope you're sort of warmed up because there's been a whole bunch of stuff we've talked about waiting. Let me just add on, I'm going to add one more question to the waiting question. And the question is, how willing are you to wait for something? How willing are you to wait for something? Um, seems like an appropriate question since we've just come out of about four months of lockdown. How willing are you to wait for something? It depends, doesn't it? It depends. So you might say, well, 
it depends on how great the need is. How great is the need? Um, I was at Rhodes last week and I thought Roger Federer was at Rhodes signing autographs because there was this long line of men. And why else would a long line of men be waiting in the shopping center? And as Huey mentioned, the reason was because they were all getting a haircut. And his son waited two hours for his haircut. The urgent need, the need was so urgent that the men of New South Wales were willing to wait that long. Um, or you might say, well, it depends on who it is you are waiting for. Um, can I trust this person? You know, like when you organize to meet with someone and you say, let's meet at the fountain at 7 o'clock, and they casually stroll in at 7.45, and every time you think, why do I keep investing in this friendship? Who is this person? Who can I depend on? So it depends on who you are waiting for. Or finally, you might say, what will the final outcome be worth it? Will it be worthwhile? I love this story. In 1990, the first ever McDonald's was opened in Soviet Russia. And the lines were so long that some people had to wait up to eight hours to get that first sweet taste of a Big Mac. Not so fast for fast food, but was it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. McDonald's is the best. So how willing are you to wait? Um, it's actually a question which the Bible asks the people of God. Time and time again, the people of God throughout the pages of history have had to wait for God, wait for his promises to be fulfilled, waiting for the king to be installed, waiting for blessings to be received, waiting for evil to be done away with. The people of God have always had to wait. And Habakkuk chapter 2 is a call that says, wait for me. Wait for me, Habakkuk, as I respond to your complaint about evil. Why is Babylon prospering? Why is injustice flourishing? What reason is there for me to wait for you, God? How do we wait by faith? That's our question this morning. So um, I'm going to ask God in a prayer to help us understand his word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for gathering some of us in person today and the rest of us online to listen to your word. And we do ask for um, attentive minds. We pray that all distractions might be outside and pushed away so that we can hear and engage and be challenged by what you have to say this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Chapter 2, come with me, verse 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. The first thing that God tells Habakkuk is he says, write it down. Right? this vision down. The reason he says that is because in verse 3, the judgment that I'm going to mention and put forward, it's not going to happen immediately. It's not going to happen immediately. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen immediately in terms of human 
and tidings. So write it down so that when the people of God, um, they start to doubt and start to feel the squeeze of injustice, then they can be reminded that if I say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Now, that's an interesting concept because it seems like a delay to us. Like when I order coffee beans online and there's a delay in the shipping, it's because something has gone wrong. There's too many people ordering. They've got the, the, the tracking's gone all. Australia Post has done usual things stuff up. Um, in human terms, delay means that something has gone wrong. Habakkuk saying, no, in God's timing, there's no such thing as a delay. Whatever happens, happens because God intends it to happen in the time that he intended it to be. And so God tells to Habakkuk, write it down, because when you feel like it just seems like it will not happen, just be reminded that this judgment will happen exactly when I intend it to happen. Now, just as a bit more of a general application the written word of God is precious for us, not just in times of evil and injustice around us. So some of you might be feeling a bit, you might call it spiritually dry. Some of you might be waiting for good things to come and they haven't arrived yet. Um, others of us might be um, weighed down by physical impairment. Others of us might as well be feeling just demotivated. Habakkuk chapter 2 says that in those moments where you start to feel adrift, the written word of God, the solid, concrete, written word of God is there to remind you of the never-changing, always consistent love of God. The always consistent, never-changing sovereignty of God over every single event of your life. It's like an anchor when you feel like our boats have gone drift. Right. So waiting by faith, point one, I guess you could say it's not a passive type of thing like standing in a haircut, right? It's actually an active immersing, an active grappling with, a challenge from, a listening to, a being challenged by the written word of God. God says, write it down. Wait for me to listen to my written word. Because there's really only two options. We either wait for God or we don't wait for Him. And as the famous next verse, verse 4 says, says it in a similar way. It says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. You either wait for God and live by faith in Him and His promises, or you live with a puffed up song. You seek and look to yourself instead of God and you stop waiting. Um, you probably notice in your Bibles that the rest of chapter 2, sort of verses 6 to 20, is I guess in a nutshell, it's God's, it's finally God's verdict over evil, his judgment that evil will not win in the end. And he does it in the form of his five words. Now, if you read the Bible for a little while, you'll know that actually 
that kind of judgment over evil, it's not especially unique to Habakkuk. I mean, the prophets often pass on the judgment over evil when they speak, when they prophesy. So what's unique about Habakkuk chapter 2? Well, do you notice, come with me, glance your eyes down to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 6. He says, shall not all these, I think the oppressed people, especially the people of God, shall not all these take up their taunts against him with scoffing and riddles for him? In other words, what's different about Habakkuk chapter 2 is that God delivers this verdict, this judgment, in the form of a taunt song. Now put up your hands if you know what a taunt song is. I'm sure some of you do. Uh, the easiest way to explain a taunt song is through the colourful world of football fans. Okay? Now, football fans, I should have got a picture, but football fans, uh, they're great. They're a lot of fun. If you're feeling low, just watch football fans. Um, football fans um, have these things called taunt songs. Now, usually you teach your kids when you're supporting a team to give positive words to the team that you support. Like, great kick, you'll be great defence, so bigger. A taunt song is the opposite. A taunt song is not aimed with positive words to your team. It's words of discouragement, laughter, and mockery against the other team. You are you call that a kick? You can call you. You can get a barn door. That's a taunt song. And football fans, this is what they're good at. And God gives the oppressed people of God a taunt song. Why does He do that? Why would he give this taunt song something that we wouldn't teach our kids? I think the reason is this. He gives them a taunt song because he says, I know that you're feeling desperate. I know that injustice seems like it's very suffocating you. But when it comes to the puffed up soul, when it comes to the evil of Babylon, when it comes to the injustice of the heart that rejects God, their choice, it's not just a bad life choice. It's actually a completely laughable choice. Worthy of ridicule. Worthy of mockery. And he uses these five woes to illustrate this point. So I'll give you an example. The first woe there comes in verse 6. The one who does not live by faith, what will he live for? Well, he will leave, live for personal grief. Verse 6. Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pleasures. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? But you'll notice there that in verse 8, you'll notice that the evil that they do, what happens? It gets repaid to them. So in verse 8, because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you. So the evil, in other words, that you have sown will come back, as my year six scripture class might say, come back to bite you in the bottom. Um, or as another preacher put it more eloquently, he says that all injustice has the seeds of its own decay. Because the pattern of the woes is this. Here is the evil that has been committed by the puffed up soul by Babylon. 
But whatever evil they've done, personal greed, live for personal security, it comes back towards them that doesn't end well for them. So you'll see the pattern there. In the second woe, living for personal security. The third woe, living for personal glory. The fourth woe, living for personal gratification. And finally, verse 18, living for personal idolatry. You see what he's saying? Not only is the puffed up soul a bad life choice, not only will living for yourself and ignoring God result in an end time judgment, but even in the present world, it's going to come back and backfire at some point. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in a year's time, maybe not even 70 years' time, as was Israel's case, but at some point, it will come back. Toilet paper gate. The hoarding of toilet paper in lockdown is a good illustration of this. For as soon as the stories came out about people seeking personal greed and security by hoarding toilet paper, next thing I read is that thieves are now breaking into houses to steal the toilet paper that the hoarders hoarded in the first place. All injustice, in other words, has the seeds of its own decay. And to choose to live that way, to choose to live in such a way that actually backfires is not just a bad life choice, it's actually worthy of complete ridicule. Why would you choose that way? So friends, wait for God. Church at nine, wait for God. Don't be tempted to pursue personal greed, personal security, living for yourself and not waiting for God. Because not only is it a bad choice in eternity, actually, it's a bad choice because it won't work. You'll be found out it's a poor way to live. Wait my faith. Well, finally, Habakkuk chapter 2 ends with what our hip hop friends would call dropping Verse 20, he says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Habakkuk, you can complain. I'm not stopping you from doing that. But at the end of the day, God is the one sitting on the throne. He's the one who calls the shots. He's the weighty one. He's the one with the glory. He's the one with the gravitas. And when you meet someone like that, the only appropriate response is to actually be quiet and listen. Um, the most famous soccer manager of all time is Sir Alex Ferguson, who coached Manchester United. And everyone knew that he was the boss. When he walked into a room, Everyone went silent. They knew he was there. Some players testified that if they ever lost a match, then they would almost be wetting themselves, waiting for his booming voice to enter the dressing room. But what about the Lord of all creation? When he speaks, when he delivers a judgment, when he passes his verdicts, evildoers, including you and I, we would do well to be quiet and listen 
gloss over that first taste of the McDonald's Big Mac. The eternal weight of glory will be so wonderful that whatever doubts, whatever affliction, or whatever spiritual dryness, or whatever evil that you find yourself surrounded by, will feel, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians, like a very light and momentary affliction. So the outcome is going to be absolutely worth it. So friends, wait by faith. Wait patiently, even when you feel the suffocation of the world and even its Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that Habakkuk has written down the vision, and we thank you that even in our time, when we know the Lord Jesus' death and resurrection and his kingship, we know what it means to have to wait for you. And so in the times now when we do feel oppressed by evil, when we are discouraged by our own evil hearts, we pray that we can look and live by faith, not in ourselves, but in the finished work of the Lord Jesus of the cross. So would you enable this passage, this word from you, this written word today, to spur us on to waiting patiently for the return of our great King? We ask this in peace.